You may have been expecting a, a Christmas message this morning, but we're, we're not going there yet. Christmas, Christmas is next week, so Christmas Eve next week. So. Um, we're going to be reading from Ruth this morning, the first book of Ruth. So if you have a Bible, that's great, but it'll be up on the screen. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wives and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. The two sons were, Jude, uh, were Mahalon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech and Naomi was left with her two sons. He died, and he was left, she was left with two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Oprah, Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Mashalon and Kilon died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons and her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughter-in-laws got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should we go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman said. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now I love the book of Ruth. And, and I love Ruth as a character. I think she's an amazing character. She's an amazing individual. In fact, so amazing was she that God placed her in the lineage of Jesus. 
we were speaking about the birth of Jesus here. Well, she was in his lineage, and she was part of what brought Jesus into the world. And we all have a lineage, and that's how we got here. And for years, it was my ambition to trace some of my lineage, to see how far I could go back. And we're namely, second name like Stuart, you would always hope, like I did, that somewhere along the line, you were connected to royalty. <laughs> Particularly when you've got Stuart on both sides of your family. I thought, I have to be royal. I have to be royal. It's not that I would expect you to bow to me. At, well, maybe. <laughs> no. But I wanted to see how far I could go back in my lineage. So after sending my DNA away to Ancestry.com, I found that I'm made up of 83% Scottish, 13% Irish, and 4% Norwegian. So it's a good chunk of Scottish, a bit Irish, and topped up with a wee bit of Viking. <laughs> my wife would think that explains a lot about my personality. <laughs> now, I haven't proven that I'm a royal lineage, but I managed to trace my family back to 1490 to a Lord John Graham of Claverhouse, born in 1490 in Angus. And he married a Margaret Beaton in the early 1500s at Cross House in Ayrshire. And they had three children in 14 years. And he died in 1547 at the age of 57. Now, when I was looking at my lineage, I saw some people that I'm quite happy to be connected to and quite happy to be associated with, but others, not so much. <laughs> Along the way, I could see that I was connected to an Archbishop of St. Andrews. And I thought, well, that's quite good. Mm. <laughs> also, John Graham, the Laird of Claverhouse, who was known as Bonnie Dundee. You've all heard the song, Up where the bonnets of Bonnie Dundee. 1668, John Graham, the third Laird of Claverhouse, was at the forefront of a royalist repression of the Covenanters for what she was called bloody clavers, for all the blood that he spilled. Claverhouse, by his Covenanting opponents. I'm not so happy to be associated with him. I think he was a bad man. <laughs> Jim Wilson agrees with me. He was a man that went about this area. And they're sure killing Christians for stating their faith and meeting out in, in the fields and the hills and praising God. And in 1688, he was made first Viscount of Dundee by James VII of Scotland and James II of England. And in my opinion, he really was a bad man. So I'm no so happy to be connected to him. But I'm so glad it's not as much where you come from, but where God's going to take you. It's not so much of what you're made up of, but what God makes you to be. And today we're looking at the story of Ruth. And Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David and the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Ruth was a woman of Moab, but was related to Israel through Lot, the nephew of Abram. And that was her lineage, if you like. Moab is actually located in modern-day Jordan. 
She lived in the period of the judges and married the son of an Israelite family when they were living there in Moab. And after her father-in-law, her husband, and her husband's only brother all passed away, Ruth had no choice. She had a choice as to whether to remain in her home of Moab or go with Naomi, her mother-in-law, to the land of Judah, a place that she'd never known. Ruth chose to go with Naomi, and she said these well-known words, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your God will be, your people will be my people, and your God, my God. My message today is a summary of the four chapters of Ruth. So, I would advise that you, you read the book of Ruth, read it, read it through in its entirety, and just think about possibly what you hear today. And then the message, my message today is going to list four words for one, one word for each of the four chapters that summarizes both the, ca- the chapter and the secret of, I believe, Ruth's greatness. The book of Ruth is an inspiring love story. You know how we men always like to read love stories. But it also demonstrates God's providential care. You know, how God provided and how God still provides in every circumstance. And I want to give you today these four words, and that's going to summarize that today. These four words are the secret to the greatness in Christian faith, as well as the secret to the, uh, the, the greatness of Ruth. And the first word that I would believe best summarizes Ruth's chapter one, and also the first word that describes every great Christian in this world is resolve. I'm just looking to see how what Gary's provided out here. We put our message, or the headings for our message, to Gary. And Gary comes up with these things, and that's a great job, Gary. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> so the first word is resolve. In chapter 1, Ruth resolved to go back to Bethlehem with Naomi, her mother-in-law. And resolve means to determine to do something. And some might say that's the definition of stubbornness. Well, what's the difference between stubbornness and resolve? If you're determined to keep doing the right thing, you have resolve. If you're determined to keep doing the wrong thing, you have stubbornness. That may apply to a few in here, <laughs> myself included. Application, <laughs> you, you can't go far in God without having some resolve about you. And you never know how much resolve a person really has until somebody tries to talk them out of whatever it is they've resolved to do. Ruth had lots and lots of resolve. In Ruth chapter 1, Naomi tries to talk Ruth out of going back to Bethlehem with her. Plenty of people will try and talk you and me out of moving forward with God. And when that time comes, and it will, we need plenty of what Ruth had. We need plenty of resolve. I remember when we first became Christians and we started the pattern of going to meetings going to church, going to meetings. And it just so happened that every time as we were about ready to go out the door, we get visitors. Somebody arrived. You, where are you going? You're going to church? Oh, come on. And to start with in our early days when we weren't so strong, we, we didn't go to church. 
We waited and because we thought it was rude to turn our visitors away. But as we grew in God and grew in Christ, we get a bit more resolve about us. And we knew and we understood that we needed to be in church. So when people came, then we did it in a nice way, trying not to be rude, but said, we go to church. And this is when we go, so we're sorry. We, we'll see you another time and made arrangements. Pretty soon, these kind of people did tend to drop our lives. But that's just the way it was. We were resolved to go on with God. Naomi tried to talk Ruth and her other daughter-in-law out of going back to Bethlehem with her. Three times she tried it. But all three times, Ruth still had the resolve to go forward. After the second time, her sister-in-law lost her resolve and she went back home. And it's worth looking at what Naomi said to try and break the resolve of Ruth. And here's why we need to look at that. Because it's the same story that the enemy uses to try and break a resolve to move on with God. First of all, then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's homes. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to our dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. In verse 10. The interpretation I saw of that was, God's only going to bless you if you return back home. That's what she was trying to say to her daughters-in-law. And if that, was, if that was true then, then there's really no point in resolving to go forward, is there? Because God was moving, moving Ruth forward. But that's how the enemy tries to break a resolve, by telling us the blessings of God are for those that go back, not forward. Every time the children of Israel hit an obstacle in the desert, where did they want to go? They wanted to go back to Egypt, back to the world. Egypt's a picture of the world. So they wanted us to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Every time they hit something that was a bit tough, they lost their resolve. Some of them, they wanted to go back to Egypt. The enemy has always used this tactic because it works. Orpah went back, but Ruth resolved to go forward. The blessings of God are for those that want to move forward. Why was Naomi so much against Ruth moving forward? Why did she try three times to break Ruth's resolve? The answer was because of her bitterness against God. She said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She was blaming God, blaming God. Pastor Cochran used to say she was having a right old pity party to herself. Blaming God. Bitterness had got into her heart. And bitterness is one of the greatest enemies of our resolve. Bitterness will stop a person moving forward with God every time. Bitterness will, will, will use us to stop another person moving forward to God. Bitterness tells us that God can't be trusted. If you're not resolved to move forward, check your heart for bitterness. Maybe you feel God has let you down. Maybe you feel God's people have let you down. Don't let bitterness stop you moving forward with God. You might be saying, but I feel disappointed with God. I feel God has let me down. God never lets anybody down. 
That great preacher Spurgeon says, when I cannot trace God's hand, I can always trust God's heart. We may not see how God is working in our life at that particular time, and we don't see his hand all the time, but we can always, always, always trust his heart. Be a Ruth. She knew tragedy, yet she still resolved to move forward with God. So word one was resolve. Like Ruth, resolve to move forward with God. Beware of the traps of betterment and bitterness. And the second word, I believe, summarizes Ruth chapter 2. In the NIV study Bible, the chapter heading for Ruth chapter 2 is Ruth meets Boaz. Well, the second word is unite. In Ruth chapter 2, Ruth unites for the first time with Boaz. First, she resolves to move forward with God in chapter 1. Then she unites with Boaz in chapter 2. And every great Christian, no exceptions, resolves and unites. If you have resolved to move forward with God, you have then to unite with the right person or the right people. If you're married, you and your spouse should be united to move on and move forward with God. Folks, we need to unite with our life partners in resolving to move forward with God. God always asks us to move forward. We need to move on, and we need to be united as a church. We need to be united as a people, and we need to be united as couples to make that decision to move on with God. But there's a bigger message in chapter 2. If we have resolved to move forward with God, we have to unite with Christ. We have to unite with Jesus. Scholars believe that Boaz is a type of Christ. Boaz is from Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer, and I'll come back to that in, in a wee while. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Boaz approaches Ruth first. Jesus approaches us first. Boaz showers kindness in Ruth. Jesus showers kindness in us. Boaz insists Ruth not go somewhere else for what she needs. Jesus insists we don't go somewhere else for what we need because he's provided everything we need. God providentially brought Ruth to the fields of Boaz. The Holy Spirit providentially brings us to the feet of Jesus. Ruth meets Boaz. You and I meet Jesus. So the word one is resolve. Ruth resolves to go to Bethlehem. We resolve to move on with God. Word two is unite. Ruth moves and meets Boaz. We meet Jesus. Every great Christian resolves. Every great Christian unites. Ruth chapter three contains a third word. It's the word trust. Every great Christian resolves. Every great Christian unites. Every great Christian trusts. In Ruth chapter 3, we see Ruth putting a total trust in Boaz in order that he might give her a better life. Ruth demonstrates a total trust in Boaz by coming up to him and laying down at his feet. Ruth, in verse 7, it said, and, and, and Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. Now, I actually thought that was quite funny because I was putting myself in that situation. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and there's a woman lying at your feet? 
I don't know how you would take that, but but Boaz knew the symbol and how that was symbolic. But I, I did. I kind of laughed to myself when I was reading that. Who are you? He asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. <clears throat> Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, a kinsman redeemer, broadly speaking, is a male relative who, according to various Old Testament laws, had the privilege and responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need. The kinsman redeemer designates one who delivers or rescues or redeems property or person. Through her and Naomi's lineage to Boaz, he is her relative. The kinsman redeemer or vindicator is a relative. It's illustrated most clearly in the story of truth where the kinsman redeemer is Boaz here. Now, it's their duty. If, if someone in the family is in need, it's their duty to redeem them. And to, if it's a debt, they redeem that debt. Now, there was a portion of land went along with this. And it turned out that there was another kinsman redeemer closer who was given, Boaz gave the opportunity to honor his duty. And he was quite interested in the land that was coming along, but he wasn't interested in the woman that he would have to take along with the land. But you see, Boaz loved Ruth. He grew to love her, and he wanted to be her kinsman redeemer. And he said, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You showed me resolve earlier. You showed me unite. But this kindness is greater. Now you show me a trust. You trust me completely. Can you imagine what the trust Ruth had to go put in Boaz to go in and actually do that and lay at his feet and ask him to cover her with his cloak? We showed Jesus revolve. We showed Jesus unite. But do we show Jesus our trust? Do we really lay everything at his feet? I know we, we like to think that we do. But really, can we honestly say that we lay everything at his feet? I'm a wee bit of a control freak. That might come as a surprise to some of you. I like to be in control. You know, and, and at times I'll lay something down at Jesus' feet. And then when I don't see what's happening, I pick it up again. And I always make, an, I make a mess. I make it worse than it was. So we need to lay, trust Jesus completely and lay everything down at his feet. Some might say, I'm scared. I'm scared to do that. I'm scared to trust Jesus. I'm not right yet ready to trust him. I'm not quite at that place to trust him. Some might even say, I don't know how to trust Jesus. The best advice I ever got at one point was from my grandpa, my mum's my dad. He was a preacher. And he gave me a bit of advice one time. He threw things in your grandpa gives you advice at times. And he gave me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. See, when you do that, it does. It does. When you trust him and you do that, it does direct you. Now, it may take a wee while, but you have to lay whatever you're doing down at his feet and let him direct your path. Finally, we have Ruth chapter 4. Maybe the band could come back up. <clears throat> we have Ruth chapter 4 and our last word. 
So to add to resolve, unite, and trust, a last word is honor. In chapter 4, Boaz honored Ruth's resolve. He honored her unite, and he honored her trust. By marrying her, he gives her a new home. He gives her a new name, and he gives her a new future. He gives her a place in the genealogy of Jesus. If she was to go to Ancestry.com, she, she could see, if she could see the future, she would see that that genealogy led all the way to Jesus. God wants to honor our resolve. If you're resolving to move on with God, God will honor that. He will. He'll honor it. He wants to honor or unite. If you want to associate with a church or a people or a person, a part in life partner, God will honor that as well. God wants to honor a trust. He wants to honor us with a better future. And I believe God is speaking to some of us here today. He wants us to make a decision to go on with him. He wants you to resolve, to unite, to trust. I'm just going to remind you of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, just as I finish up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Amen. Thank you for listening. Thank you.